Hello again, friends, and welcome on in to a Week 12 Glorious Victory Edition of the Sco Show. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair. The New England Patriots getting it done, finding a way to win. Dallas Cowboys come to town. Patriots take care of business with a 13-9 victory, moving themselves to 10-1 on the season. A win is a win. The conditions were ugly. The game was sloppy at times. The Patriots, as they have all season long, needed contributions from the defense and from special teams to give the offense some short fields. Offense not quite where we'd like it to be. But 10 wins is 10 wins, friends. And as they get to the midway point of their critical four-game stretch, they've got back-to-back wins, first against Philadelphia and then against Dallas. So either way you look at it, great result for the New England Patriots tonight. As usual, we're going to have our great, our good, and our bad, the game balls and the takes of the game from the Sco Show Slack channel. But before we do any of that, your usual cavalcade of reminders here at the front. Please do follow along with the hijinks at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Check out the work at a variety of places, insidethepylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, where I've got some stuff coming on Jacob Eason and perhaps my draft quarterback, Benke. People have been asking me about who it might be. I may have found him. So you can check that stuff out at mattwaldmanrsp.com this week. Also, of course, that trio of SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and yes, right here at Pat's Pulpit. Let's talk big picture here at the outset. Defense and special teams. It's how the team has been getting it done week in and week out this season. And Tom Brady said it himself about the offense coming into this game. This is a team right now that wins thanks to their defense and their special teams. And they did it again today. You got an interception from Stephon Gilmore that gave the New England Patriots a short field on offense. You got a blocked punt from Matthew Slater that gave the Patriots a short field on offense. They turned those short fields into points. And that was a big part of the victory today. And you can look at the block punt by Matthew Slater. Just an incredible effort play by a guy who has been doing it for the New England Patriots for years now. Gets the inside rush. Just extends that right arm right at the last second to get the ball on the punt block point. Jonathan Jones with the recovery and the Patriots get a short field. And what was tremendous about that play is that it was just that. It was just an effort play. It wasn't schemed up. It wasn't that they saw something on film like they might have seen earlier this year in a couple of their pump blocks. This was just an all-out effort play, that last-minute lunge by Matthew Slater, get into the block point. Fantastic job there by the veteran special teams ace. And then Stephon Gilmore. That interception came on a crossing route. And those of you that have been following me for years, getting back to the Locked on Patriots podcast, you know that crossing routes are notoriously difficult to defend. And he's doing it against Amari Cooper, who is a fantastic route runner. And Cooper has some separation on him. But he's able to close the separation window, drive on the ball, get underneath the receiver. He's helped in part by a couple of things. One, the shotgun snap to Dak Prescott was high, and two, the throw was a bit behind Cooper. But he makes the diving interception for a huge, huge turnover at that point in the game. And we talked about it on this show going into this contest. I talked about it at length on the Wednesday show, I mean, excuse me, the Thursday show about the Dallas passing game when I broke it down for you. 
I said Amari Cooper is a fantastic route runner. I took you through some of the numbers and what he has meant to this Dallas offense since his acquisition around this time last year. I guess a little bit over a year ago. He was held to zero catches. Had a cl- Almost had a big one at the end of the game. But he was held to zero catches. And we said Stephon Gilmore was likely going to see a lot of Amari Cooper. And they put him on him. He trailed Amari Cooper wherever he was on the field. Zero catches. And in a fantastic bit of video from Evan Lazar from CLNS Media in the postgame scrum in the locker room, he got Gilmore on camera and he basically said from film study, he knew a lot of what Cooper was going to do. He was able to read a lot of his routes and run them for him. You hear that phrase often when it comes to defensive back play. Oh, he ran the receiver's route. Well, you saw it on that interception. I mean, crossing route at that point, it's not a lot of guesswork, right? You know what the guy's doing. But even in some of the other routes, deeper routes down the field, some of those comeback routes that we were worried about, he was running them for him. And so just another fantastic performance from Stephon Gilmore. But he wasn't the only player that showed out for this Patriots defense. Jonathan Jones had another tremendous game for this defensive secondary. And it showed up early. He had a tremendous pass breakup on another route break into the middle of the field on Dallas's opening possession of the game that allowed New England to go force him to go three and out to start the contest. He had a fantastic stop on a third down later in the game. Breaks to the flat. Sticks Cobb short of the first down marker. Dallas is forced to kick it away. That was a tremendous play by Jonathan Jones in that moment. Another player stepping up huge. John Simon. I I mentioned pretty much at least once a glorious victory episode. John Simon set in the edge, right? I know I say it a ton. There was a play in the second half of this game where the New England Patriots ran a tech stunt. He was aligned inside. Jamie Collins was outside. They, they switch. Collins comes to the inside. Simon goes to the outside on this little tech stunt, tackle end exchange. Prescott wants to eventually roll to the left side to where Simon is. Simon does a tremendous job of mirroring the quarterback, doesn't let him get to the edge, doesn't let him scramble and pick up yardage, forces him to make a throw, and it falls incomplete. Tiny little things like that that won't show up in the score sheet that nobody will remember come tomorrow morning. But stuff like that matters because when you get 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 people buying into what you're doing on defense, buying into just doing their job on every single snap of the football, that's how you become the number one defense in the league. And speaking of number one rankings, right? This was the number one passing offense in the National Football League. Yes, by yards per game, which maybe not the best metric, But Dak Prescott was putting up MVP-type numbers. Myself, many other people making the case that he should be in the MVP conversation. Now, the conditions obviously played a role, but this passing game, their best receiver held to zero catches. This passing game, and yes, again, weather wasn't great. They were held to three field goals. Three field goals, nine points. And yes, the decision by Jason Garrett at the end of that game to kick it, to make it 13-9 was a curious decision because you were down a touchdown and you kicked a field goal to stay down a touchdown and then you ended up having to go for it on 4th and 11 in your own end zone, in your own territory. Curious decision there. 
But this defense held them to nine points. Special teams unit gives them a short field. That's how they're winning games right now. Other things I did want to mention sort of in the great section of this show, I did want to mention Sony Michelle. We'll talk a little bit about Sony Michelle when we work through some of the good and you know some of the individual plays that we need to highlight. But I thought from the opening snap of this game to down the stretch, Sony Michelle showed that he has the ability to be that bell cow workhorse type of back that this offense might need down the stretch. And I'll say a little bit more about this in the next segment, but you got some familiar vibes to the Week 16 game last year in this one. And I think there were some positive takeaways to take away from this game when it comes to the offense, when it comes to the passing game. I don't want to read too much into the execution we saw given injuries and conditions. I think there were some positive things to take away from this offense, but the main thing might have been this. Sony Michelle can carry the load. And Sony Michelle is whatever you want to say about running backs and their value and whether they matter or whether it made sense to draft a running back in the first round to begin with. You saw explosiveness. You saw burst. You saw vision. You saw change of direction ability. And here's the other thing to mention. He didn't put the ball on the turf. No, this was one of those games that going into it, you'd think, you know, if there's going to be an upset here or if New England's going to lose this game, given the conditions, weather, the great equalizer, Sonny Michelle might put the ball on the turf once or twice. He didn't do it. He was steady. He was sure-handed. He made some incredible cuts in the backfield. Look, that opening run of the game, you saw a cut in the backfield, right? Inside run, great change of direction in the backfield. Byron Jones gets him to miss on the edge. 12-yard gain. I thought Sony Michelle had a fantastic, fantastic evening. And so you put it together. It's another big win. You win the games that are in front of you week in to week out. And now they go into their last five games of the season, a 10-1. And over the last five games of the season, we know what's in front of them. Perhaps the two big ones left of the next two weeks with Houston and Kansas City. You get Cincinnati after that. And look, you get Buffalo. That's going to be a big one. They're playing well. And you get Miami to close things out. Three of your final five games are at home. One of those road games is at Cincinnati. And yes, this Houston one coming up in a week. That's going to be a tough one. And going into this four-game stretch, this was the game, this Houston game, I thought would probably be the toughest one for them. On the road, mobile quarterback. But still, got to like their chances, and even with the way the offense is played. And so, all in all, a W is a W. 10-1 is huge. This offense, it's coming along. I, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel here. This defense continues to play at such a high level. Special teams contributions left and right. And bottom line is this, friends. How do we feel about being 10-1? and 1? Up next, we're going to have the good as well as the bad, the take of the game, the game balls, all that fun stuff. That's all ahead on this Week 12 Glorious Victory Edition of the SCO Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on this Week 12 Glorious Victory Edition of the SCO Show. This is Episode 43 of the SCO Show, and if you were wondering about Episodes 44 and 45, yes, they will be out this week. We are treating this like every other week. 
I have a show for you on Wednesday. I have a show for you on Thursday as well. If you're going over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house for Thanksgiving, you'll have a show to listen to. If you're from overseas and you're not celebrating Thanksgiving and it's just another Thursday, there'll be a show for you. So fear not, friends. We're here for you. We do it because of the love. Let's talk about the good from this game. And I want to start with number 76, Isaiah Wynn, because this was a great test for him. It was also a stressful one for Patriots fans because many of us had talked ourselves into thinking that his return would have sort of a positive net overall effect on this offense. Things would be better. The protection would be better. And I think by and large part, the pass protection was better in this game. It wasn't crystal clear, perfect. You know, life wasn't all, you know, puppies and apple pie and all good things for Tom Brady. Sugar plums. No, I mean, he was still under pressure, but at the same time, he gets sacked twice in this game. Just twice. Could have been more, but just twice. And I think Isaiah went held up pretty well on the edge. He had a critical block at the end of the game as well on the run from Sonny Michelle that pretty much sealed this one. But I think Isaiah Wynn comported himself extremely well in his return. And I'm going to put him under the microscope for part of you know the Wednesday show. You know, get a chance to look at him on film and see what we saw from his game and his first start this season. So that would be nice to see. But I think for the most part, Wynn comported himself extremely well on the edge against a pretty good group. So that was good to see. The rookie wide receivers. Nikhil Harry. And if you think back to when the Patriots drafted Harry, you know, one of the things that people, myself included, many others, said about Nikhil Harry was this. He's a ball winner. He can attack the football in those back shoulder throws. And if nothing else, he can give you that from day one. And all of the other times we have seen young receivers, even veteran receivers, come in and struggle to learn this offense, come in and struggle to get on the same page with Tom Brady, if nothing else, he can win the ball in flight. He can win on that back shoulder throw. And another thing I said about him was, if you're starting to become concerned with Brady's ability to put the ball exactly where it needs to be, Brady's ability to be precise with his throws, which I think we can all admit at times has been an issue last year and this year, although tonight was more wind and rain and weather than anything else, then having a guy with the catch radius of Harry's and the ability to tack the ball and win it in flight on back shoulders and elsewhere is going to be huge. His first touchdown reception in the NFL, what's it come on? A red zone back shoulder. And yeah, the back shoulder part, those are two nice words to hear. But those first two words, red zone, might even be nicer to hear. Why? Because of the red zone woes from this offense last year and this year, right? All the struggles, all the times when they couldn't pick up yardage in short yardage situations. They couldn't you know, finish off drives with touchdowns and they would be held to field goals. Having a red zone threat like that is going to be huge for this offense. Because let's let's be honest here. They need that. It's part of the reason why they miss Rob Gronkowski so much. I was at Nebraska, Maryland on Saturday. Those of you that listen to listen to Pat's Pulpit Radio, we wound you heard me talk about that. That was my day. Nebraska, go big red, huge win. Keeping themselves in the contention for a bowl game. Conditions weren't great. It was cold, it was rainy, it was wet. But in the mix of that game, talking to my father in law, he brought up the fact that, look, they really miss Rob Gronkowski, especially in the end zone, in the red zone areas. And it's true. 
But having Harry play the way he did, getting that catch, going to be huge for him. Yes, he had some drops. There were some miscues. He had another throw down that same very sideline with a chance to go up and get the ball and went through his hands. I put that more on weather and conditions than anything else. But I think that touchdown is huge, and it's indicative of where they think this passing game can go and what he can contribute. Jacoby Myers. Yeah, he had the drop on the seam where he got popped. Brady put it in a pretty good spot, especially given the conditions. But this kid is... He's not just in the Brady circle of trust. He's got a nice little chair set up there. He's got maybe one of those little beanbag chairs or something. Maybe one of those flip chairs you used to see in college. I'm not going to say the, the casual name for those. But, you know, they were a little, like, three-piece chair with, like, this cylindrical, like, pillow-type thing. And then two flat pieces, a flipping, I'm not going to say the rest. But he's got a nice little setup in the Tom Brady circle of trust, does Jacoby Myers. And with good reason. He had some huge catches for this team today. And on the game when, look, Brady goes 13 of 17. Edelman has 12 targets. Myers has nine. Four receptions for 74 yards and a lot of 32. That catch and run where he shed like three different tackling attempts. Man. My heart swelled with pride to see a former quarterback do something like that, my friends. That was tremendous effort from Jacoby Myers. So these two rookie wide receivers, impressive from them. And I actually wrote this week over at footballguys.com, one of the other places that I talk about and do work for that I often don't even mention here. We were asked in the Football Guys staff roundtable, players that haven't gotten a ton of player time, but we were really excited about. And I wrote Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers because just the bit we've seen makes me excited about what they're going to bring to this team just this year and beyond. And what did we see today? Those two guys balled out. So a huge game for both of those guys. Tom Brady's pocket movement. I always slip that in to the good. With all of the struggles this offense has had, with all of the like letdowns this offense has had, how many times did we say in the Slack channel during this game they just need one drive, just one drive? How many times did I write it in my notes for this game before the start of a drive they just need one flipping touchdown drive to put this thing away? All the frustrations we've had with this offense, the one constant, the one rock that has always been there is Tom Brady's pocket movement. You can say he's in decline. You can be like Bucky Brooks and say that they won't win a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. You can have those takes. Fine. Whatever. You can say he's losing the zip on the fastball. You can say he's missing throws he used to hit. You can say all of that. But don't tell me he's losing the ability to move around in the pocket. Don't tell me he's one of the best, if not the best quarterback, in terms of those subtle, nuanced pocket movements. Is he an explosive guy? No. Was he the most mobile quarterback on the field tonight? Absolutely not. But if you need a guy to just dip a shoulder or duck under a edge rusher or feel some pressure and slide in and make a throw, Tom Brady's the guy to do it. If you want to put on teaching tape for how a young quarterback should maneuver within the confines of the pocket, with the subtle art, the nuanced art of pocket movement and presence, Tom Brady's your teaching tape. And we saw it again today. He gets sacked twice. And I know I give a bit of a shout-out to the offensive line. The protection seemed to be better. But he could have gotten sacked more. And the reason he wasn't was because of who he is as a quarterback and where he is in terms of his pocket presence and subtle mobility. 
I know I sneak it into every good section this year, but we saw it again tonight. Jake Bailey had some touchbacks that didn't go his way, but when they needed him to, pinned him deep. And overall, the numbers maybe weren't great because of those touchbacks. He had a couple that go off his foot a little awkwardly as well. Stepped up big again when they needed that big punt at the end of the game. So another good performance from him. So there's some of the good sort of big picture stuff. I'll highlight a couple of plays here for you in a second. We'll start with Jamie Collins. This is on Dallas's third drive of the game. We've mentioned a lot of the previous plays already, but this is on a first and 10. They run Ezekiel Elliott to the right edge. Collins with a tremendous win at the point of attack against Jason Witten. He stacks him, controls him with his hands, trying to see which way Elliott's going to go, but he sets the edge. So if Elliott wants to turn this inside, he can. The help is coming. Elliott tries to bounce it to the outside. Then Collins with a tremendous job sort of shedding him, using the upper body strength, controls him with the hands, sheds Witten, makes a stop for a three-yard loss. Tremendous play there. I just mentioned the Harry touchdown, tremendous adjustment to the ball in flight. The Gilmore interception, you know, we covered it earlier, but just to recap it, tremendous interception, high snap. He drive an interception on that crossing route. It's a tough route to cover, but he re- matches the speed of Gilmore perfectly. That interception, the 29th takeaway for this defense, a plus 19 turnover margin so far in the season. That's just astronomically good. Nick Folk, look, he missed some. That kick, that 44-yarder into the wind, that was a big one because Brett Maher missed from 46 in the same direction into the wind, but Folk drilled it there on the fourth drive of the game after the Gilmore reception. That was a big play at the start of the second quarter. Jawan Williams got some playing time. I thought that was pretty good to see. They had him on Michael Gallup at one point, which was interesting. I wasn't sure that was the best matchup for him, but that's what they did. The shallow uh, crosser to Jacoby Myers, this is the catch and run. It was a first and 10 at the 836 mark of the second quarter. It starts New England's fifth drive. The crosser to Edelman where he runs away from Byron Jones to convert a second and 10. That was a big play. And then, unfortunately, that one ends with a 46-yard field goal try. Missed. New England had some tough plays on Dallas's next possession that ended with a screen, but they had two really good ones. The first, that was a second and, si- second and six situation. Check down to Pollard. Hightower pops him. Ball comes out in completion. And then the third and six where Dallas showed a pump, a little fake screen to the left. They come back with running back screen to the right. Devin McCourty stays home. Chase Winovich arrives pretty quickly. Defense really sniffs that out. They stop it for no gain and hold him to a field goal try. Next possession, third and eight. This is after the two-minute warning. Jacoby Myers with a huge catch on that deep crosser. I want to watch this play on the All-22 because I think he and Edelman ran the same exact route. Somebody might have screwed up there, but it doesn't matter. Huge catch. Then the next play, that first and 10 situation, not sure how Brady even stayed upright. Is able to throw it away. Could have been six if he had time because somebody was breaking open. I believe it was Edelman was breaking open. They had a chance to convert that for a big touchdown, but they miss it there. The decision to kick the field goal before halftime, curious one. I thought, look, Given that they had time, they might have been able to line up, try to draw them off sides, maybe go for it there. You're getting the second-half kickoff, similar to the Baltimore decision. And, of course, what makes it worse is field goal try is no good. So that kind of stunk. Going into the second half now, some other good plays. I mentioned that Tech stunt earlier with Simon going to the outside. Collins coming inside. Simon sent on the edge, containing Dak Prescott. That was a huge play. Brady's pocket movement on the third and 20. 
Okay, all the stuff I was just saying about the pocket movement, that's why it matters, kids. Third and 20. You don't get a lot of plays in the playbook for third and 20, and you need time to convert third and 20. And if you don't get time, you create time. Tom Brady does it. Edwin wiggles free. And yes, the wind was at his back, but if you're telling me Tom Brady's lost the fastball, maybe he's lost a couple of miles per hour on it. But it's still going to blow by people on you know a one and two count situation to mix our sports metaphors here. And he had the wind at his back, but he zipped this one in there, moving to his left. That's a pretty good throw. Um, Dallas's eighth possession. This is the Jonathan Jones explosion downhill for the stop on Cobb, where Troy Aikman complained about the route. I'll complain about Troy Aikman maybe a little bit later. Dallas's ninth drive of the game. This segment, we're going to talk about it in the take of the game, but where you had the illegal shift, the illegal motion, New England gains 20 yards of field position, which was huge. It was a critical swing for them because they finish off that drive with a touchdown. And I did want to point out Rex Burkhead, and the Fox crew came back to it after the change of quarter and you know the timeout commercial break going into the fourth quarter they highlighted the fact that you know New England didn't put anybody deep Burkhead was on there as the punt returner the gunner on the left side of the Dallas punt team was uncovered Burkhead had the presence of mind to go over there and cover the guy I doubt the clapper himself was going to fake a punt on fourth and 13 given what we know about Jason Garrett but if he had Burkhead was going to be at least in position to hold that short of the sticks so I thought that was a very aware play from Rex Burkhead. Getting into the fourth quarter now, some other plays to highlights. The out route, third and seven on New England's 10th drive of the game, early fourth quarter. Jacoby Myers still in the circle of trust. That was a huge conversion there on third and seven. Again, they're able to convert this drive into points and get the field goal. The sequence at the end of that drive, though, with Mason beaten inside for a loss of four, Running back screen where he gets dumped by Bennett. That was a bad sequence, but that was huge. Then the ensuing kickoff. And I, I believe it was Jessica Brand who highlighted this in the Scotia Slack channel. The Patriots do such a good job of using the conditions and using the weather. And what did they do in this game? The short kickoffs. Make some guys feel the ball in weather conditions that maybe they're not comfortable fielding kickoffs in. Because you saw it on the ensuing kickoff after that field goal made it 13-6. It's a short kick. Guys aren't sure who's going to be fielding it. The ball bounces. And Dallas is lucky that New England didn't recover that. And they forced to start on their own 11-yard line. Now, look, they went down and got a field goal. But still, that's an example of what sets the Patriots apart. The conditions being what they are, they don't say, oh, well, we're just going to go play our game. They use them to their advantage. Again, that's the difference. That's why Jerry Jones, after this game, said, you come into Gillette, you expect to get outcoached. Stuff like that. That throw to Edelman, the second and 10 on New England's 11th drive of the game. That was a huge catch by Julian Edelman. Then you get the big punt from Bailey. Um, the third and 11 before the final Cooper non-catch, Jamie Collins. Say what you want about Ezekiel Elliott, the big contract and all that stuff. Collins just ran basically right through him on his way to get pressure on Dak Prescott and influence that. That was a huge play in that stop. And then the second and five run to really seal this thing. Isaiah Wynn and Landon Roberts at the fullback spot. Benjamin walks in with huge blocks on that side of the formation. So those were some very good plays that I thought mentioned some, deserved some mentions. Let's put it that way. Let's talk about some of the bad stuff, some absurd penalties. And no, I'm not talking about the tripping calls 
I know the Twitter timeline has been screaming about the tripping calls in this game. Look, Mike Pereira said some of them were viable. At least the first one was viable. The second one may have been a little questionable. But bad calls happen to teams every single game. I mean, Patriots fans scream about Tom Brady's intentional grounding calls all the time. Bad calls happen. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And Dallas, they had chances to win this game. It didn't come down to a tripping call. So the the penalties I'm talking about are, for example, the rough in the passer penalty. That rough in the passer penalty on Dietrich Wise, that second and eight situation where you get the in cut to Gallup for 22 yards and the attack on the 15 for rough in the passer. I mean, that was blatant. That was just, that was a dumb penalty in that moment. They had some dumb penalties in this game. That one comes to mind. And another one was Danny Shelton, who had a pretty decent game. He got an early pressure on Dak Prescott um, in one of the final drives of the game. But on the 46-yard field goal try that Folk missed, it was going to be a 41-yarder, but then he jumped off sides. False start, that five yards might have made the difference. Um, so that was a pretty dumb penalty at that point in the game. The lack of offensive consistency... And I still think that this offense is a work in, t- in progress. You were doing it with two rookies in Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers, who, again, played extremely well. But you don't have Sanu out there. You don't have Dorsett out there. You know, the offensive consistency just isn't there yet. I think there's still time to get it there. Time is running out. But look, they didn't have offensive consistency last year until maybe week 17 and into the playoffs. And so maybe they're ahead of schedule. Looking at it through some rose-colored glasses? So who knows? Maybe. Some of the negative plays that I wanted to highlight quickly. I know we're getting a little long, but hey, we got a lot to talk about here. Um, Dallas's fifth drive of the game. They had a first and 10. This is early second quarter. They ran Pollard to the right end. I don't want to... It's hard to din this guy, given the season he's having, given the game he's having, but he just had. But Stephon Gilmore did lose the edge on that play. So look, we got to call him as we see him here, right? We mentioned the, the penalty by Shelton. Um, the ensuing possession when it was Dallas's sixth possession of the game, midway through the second quarter, it's 10-3. to three. You just missed a field goal. Then you get Ezekiel Elliott with a big run on the inside. And then you get, again, that absurd penalty on Dietrich Wise. You know, those are some negatives. Harry's drop on the second and eight on the ensuing New England possession on that, you know, drive before halftime. That was a tough drop. Right along the left sideline there. It was a good throw by Tom Brady, too, along the boundary. Thankfully, look, Jacoby picks up his boy with a great catch on the very next play where he might have run the wrong route, but who knows. Isaiah Wynn did have a false start in New England's first possession of the second half. You don't like seeing that. Getting late into the game now. Um, Shaq Mason struggling a little bit right now. Um, Fourth quarter, New England's drive that started at the end of the third in late into the fourth quarter, or early into the fourth quarter, excuse me, um, that awful sequence before the field goal that was good, but that first and 10 play where he gets beaten into the inside and Sonny Michelle's stuff for a loss of four, that was a bad play. But that's all the negative stuff that I wanted to highlight. It's time to move on to some good stuff, some game balls. Matthew Slater gets one for the blocked punt, obviously. I think that was a, an easy call there. And Stephon Gilmore, obviously, for the interception and shutting down Amari Cooper. And... We got a fantastic listener who suggested those two players would get game balls. He's a fantastic listener from the other side of the pond, even for an Arsenal supporter. 
He's on Twitter at Selbridge Gooner. That's at C-E-L-B-R-I-D-G-E-G-O-O-N-E-R. We give a little shout out basically saying that Think Game Ball is headed Matthew Slater and Stephon Gilmore's way at Mark Schofield on the Twitter machine. And he said, that, look, he in Ireland, he can go to bed happy, looking forward to the glorious victory pod on commute to work in the morning. But give our fellow Pats fan from the other side of the pond a follow if you would on the Twitter machine. Show him some love. As I said, even for an Arsenal fan. And I can say that because I'm a Newcastle supporter. And while we're above the drop right now, that's where we live our lives right now. Just above the drop. What a time to be alive. Some other game balls in addition to Slater and Gilmore. Going to give one to Jonathan Jones. How do you, he thought he had a fantastic game. Jamie Collins showed out again. Just been a tremendous boost to this defense. The rookie wide receivers. Look, a guy catches his first NFL touchdown. You want to give him a game ball. Jacoby Myers sent up his little campsite in the Brady Circle of Trust. He gets a game ball. Sony Michelle, he gets a game ball as well. I thought he ran the ball extremely effectively. Our takes of the game. We had a number of takes that we could have had in the Show Slack channel, which again, we'd love to have you. The more the merrier. At Mark Schofield. Send me a DM on Twitter for an invite or send me an email. Mark.Schofield at InsideThePylon.com. The first one comes to us from Chuck A. So many non-usable takes of the game today. Why is that a take of the game? Well, things got a little off-color, shall we say, during the game today. And there were a lot of fantastic lines that I just couldn't repeat. We have kids listening to the show. All the more reason you want to be a part of the fun over there. Let's go so Slack channel. Huzifa Patel talking about Isaiah Wynn. He tore his Achilles in preseason on a bull rush from Bennett. Things come in full circle. I thought that was a really interesting point. Makes you think of the big picture. Almost spooky in a sense. Also, Chuck A., who pointed out in live time before the people at Fox did it. They did it after a commercial break. But the sequence with the punts and the illegal formations, the illegal shift, and the 20-yard net gain by the New England Patriots. I thought it was really smart to point that out as the game was happening. So shout out to Chuck A. as well. Chuck A. basically gets two takes of the game. Hats off to him. And hats off to you for listening because, folks, we're done. Gone almost 40 minutes here on this episode because we had a lot to talk about. But bottom line is this. Your New England Patriots are 10-1. and Your New England Patriots are still in the driver's seat when it comes to home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. Your New England Patriots have five games remaining on their schedule, three of which are at home. One of those road games is at the Cincinnati Bengals, who right now, they don't look good, okay? They lost to Devlin Hodges. And I like the Devlin Hodges coming out of Sanford, okay? Kids got some stones. But let's be honest, the Bengals aren't good right now. So you've got three home games, a game against the Bengals, and this big one coming up against the Houston Texans, which is going to be a tough one. But you get through this one, you get past Kansas City, and if you're sitting at 12-1 and one at that point, you can start thinking about 15-1. and one. It's crazier things have happened. But things are good. They're figuring out their identity on offense. You get Sanu back, you get Dorsett back, Wednesday's healthy. I think this offense could put together enough to play complementary football with their defense. And the way their defense is playing, that might be all you'll need. But there's still a lot of football left to be played. We can start thinking about the big picture, though. Because we are getting closer to December. We are getting closer to playoff time. But like I said, friends, that will do it for today. I will be back with shows Wednesday and Thursday of this week. Until next time, friends, please keep on blessing that Patriots reign. I'm in Foxborough.